Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 77 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all design. My name is Alex Dorio, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, dude, I am wishing we were covering anything but what we're covering tonight. SummerSlam 2001. Can we just talk about like some of these Superstars episodes that they just put up on the WWE Network? Can we just switch over to that instead? Are you cool with that? Yeah, sounds great. I haven't right, watched many cool. of them yet. Yeah. Awesome. So on Superstars 1, we got a green screen. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that'll be fun, though. We should have some bonus episode. We'll go back and do some... some uh, what do they, they call those things when they're in front of the little... This, what are they called? The Wrestling Event Center? Yeah. Oh, the Event Center, yeah. Yeah, yeah event those center. promos. Oh, man, there's some yeah. great Undertaker footage in there. I've been just binge-watching these Superstars episodes <laughs> lately. Oh, I can't get enough of it, man. It's right in my wheelhouse. A perfect time of being a fan. There's so many great characters. Undertaker fighting the Berserker. Ultimate Warrior getting voodoo cursed put on him by Papa Shango. It's, yes. It's incredible, man. And, uh, yeah, I'd rather talk about this than SummerSlam 2001. I'm not looking forward to the SummerSlam, eh? Not tonight, not this one, but, uh, <laughs> we gotta do it, man. It's part of our obligation yes, here to talk about this match along with every Undertaker pay-per-view match. And we're gonna talk about the time that the Brothers of Destruction, the Undertaker and Kane, took on none other than the Jersey Boys, Diamond Dallas Page, and Chris Canyon for the WWF WCW Tag Team Championships inside of a steel freaking cage. Yes, that is a real match that <laughs> happened, ladies and gentlemen, if you can believe it. <laughs> if you were back in like three years before that, you go back to 1998, if you just said that sentence, it's like, I predict I'm going to see Kane and Undertaker tag against these two guys in a steel cage for both sets of titles. You... Yeah, he'd have been kind of Nostradamus, man. Like, there's no chance. That's like pulling a bunch of random characters out of a hat and just saying, here's a, here's a random match we're going to have. It'd be so, like predicting that Eric Rowan was going to play a pivotal role in the <laughs> WWE Championship match at the Royal Rumble. Exactly like that. What? Oh, oh, Almost as it. weird as that. Yeah. Almost as weird as that. So, oh, who better than Rowan? <laughs> well, I could have thought anybody. Harper would have been great. Yeah, anyway, better than that. On. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they got matching beards. I guess that's the only that's red the thing. beard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let's get this over with, man. There's, de- I definitely don't want to spend <laughs> three hours talking about DDP and Canyon tonight. <laughs> although I do want to say a special thank you to all of our fans who made it through our marathon double episode last week. Uh, we had so much to cover, and we had fun doing it, and uh, we appreciate. It's crazy. I mean, we had you know pretty much the same. Uh, listenership that we have every week yeah. so it's we appreciate you guys being committed with us and really we know you're committed with the undertaker that's what you're here for but uh thanks for going along on the ride with us and uh we'll try to never have one quite that long again but uh you never know you never know <laughs> you we never go know. along here but this one no hopefully we're gonna get done 30 <laughs> minutes or less going old school <laughs> not quite. 30 minutes or less i don't yeah. know we'll see but yeah this one won't be quite as much of a um endeavor as the invasion was again there was a lot to cover there and 
a lot of wrestle crap, a lot of OVW sidebars, a lot of re- weird stuff we had to cover there, a lot of stalker stuff. So, yeah, we appreciate you guys sticking with us and uh, laboring through that. If it was a labor fee, we hope you enjoyed it. We had two songs, so, yeah, gave you a little something extra, so good <laughs> stuff. But anyway, yeah, this one will be a change of pace and change of taste for your taste buds and, uh, yeah, a taste that I might want to spew in my mouth. Maybe. I think you want to spew it out a little bit more than I do, but we'll see as we, we get into it. So. I'm going to try to stay positive here, man. I've got my Canyon t-shirt on <laughs> thanks to uh, our buddy and our and our listener. I, I talked with him actually last week. He still listens every week. Jay Stanley, uh, our good buddy here. He gave me a Who Better Than Canyon shirt uh, about a decade ago, man, and I pulled it out of the attic. Uh, this morning and, and had to had to wear it to record this. I'll post a picture of it on Instagram. I don't know where it came from. It's definitely definitely bootleg, but uh, I, I love it so much. It's, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, when I when you appeared on my screen and I I totally forgot that you owned that and had to go back in my memory bank and remember that Jay gave you that and I'm very jealous because I uh, love me some Canyon. Rest his soul. And that's the fun thing about this podcast. We get to talk about. Uh, we, of course, we talk about legends like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle and The Rock and what, M- M- Mankind. we got plenty of episodes like that. But the great yeah. thing about Undertaker's career is we get to talk about <laughs> randos like Chris Canyon every once in a while. And uh, exactly. that's what makes this fun. So let's dive into it. Let's try to have some fun with it. We're going to pick up the night after Invasion, July 23rd, 2001 on Raw, episode 426. And, of course, we left off with the Undertaker and the WWF losing the inaugural brawl to Team WCW and ECW uh, after Stone Cold Steve Austin joins the alliance, and Undertaker still very much, uh, very much feuding with Diamond Dallas Page for stalking his wife. They fought off into the crowd in the middle of that match and, and ran away out of nowhere and. You know, maybe you could blame Undertaker for the WWF losing. I don't know, but it did happen there. And uh, Stone Cold, he doesn't give much reasoning about his heel turn from last night. Uh, the big reason is that Vince apparently did not appreciate his hugs. So that's the level of storytelling that we're getting in summer of 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's real, folks. That's real. Uh, DDP is we're going to see him backstage. He is sitting by a cooler with about 50 waters in it in his locker room for some reason, really trying to stay hydrated. He was a health nut back then, apparently. <laughs> and his buddy Canyon walks in wearing not my Canyon t-shirt. He's got a different t-shirt on, man. A lot of people might remember this. Probably the best part of Canyon's run. He's got the Invasion MVP shirt on, <laughs> showing up to chat with his buddy. <laughs> and if you're wondering why he's the Invasion MVP... What's the deal with the uh, shirt here? The Invasion MVP? How's that? The way I see it, you know, the whole alliance. Yeah. We won the Invasion last night, 6-5, to five, right? right? And that six-man tag match I was in last night, I pretty much single-handedly won that match. You did. So if I didn't do that, the WWF would have won the Invasion. The whole night would have been a disaster, but I came too. I was the MVP, and I went out. I got this cool shirt made. And besides, who's better than Canyon? Right? <laughs> Logic totally makes sense there. <laughs> it's Invasion MVP, Chris Canyon. I love it, man. So good. Hey. I also love his voice. <laughs> his voice is great. He's a great performer, man. Super underrated. 
Uh, and, you know, it's a shame that he's no longer with us. And I think that's why a lot of people have kind of forgotten how awesome he was in the ring. But yeah. even here, you know, he only had a, a really a couple months of screen time here in the WWE, really of any note. But at least he was trying to get himself over here, yeah. which cannot be said of a lot of these WCW guys. They did not know how to do it. And Canyon, he had personality shining yep. out throughout all this. Yes, he does, man. He always did in WCW. I mean, he, freaking Mortis, dude. I loved Mortis when he was Mortis. You know, I loved that. Loved Chris Champagne Canyon. Loved all the stuff. Positively Canyon. Everything he did was great for me. And plus, just because he's such an in-ring master, man. He, he What they call him the innovator of offense, I think. Yeah. yeah. The innovator of violence was Tommy Dreamer. Innovator of offense was him. And he came up with so much unique stuff for the time, you know. Nowadays, everybody probably does half his moves, but um, he came up with a lot of stuff. We'll see some of them in this cage match we're going to cover, too. So He helped choreograph Ready to Rumble, you know, probably yes, his did. crowning achievement Thank right God. there. <laughs> and you and I were there for that opening night. Oh, yeah. So much fun. <laughs> Talk about underrated. Yeah. We uh we love Kane so much we once fought over his action figure. We couldn't decide who was gonna get to keep him. Uh, I wasn't trying to steal him. I just <laughs> wanted to see him in the package. You grabbed him off the shelf. I just wanted to see him. I wasn't gonna take him from you. So <laughs> You keep preaching your lies, brother. You don't have to, man. Whatever helps you get you through the night. <laughs> helps me sleep at night, eh? That's right. Oh. Well, Kane is the star of this show, man. He is gets coming out performance here on this episode of Raw. He meets up with Austin, Deborah, Steph, Paul, and Shane, the authority figures of the Alliance. And Austin's like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> and Canyon's like, I'm the MVP right here. And Austin tells Canyon, I'll tell you who's better than Chris Canyon. Stone Cold Steve Austin's better than Chris Canyon. And so there you go. Canyon promises from now on. <laughs> He will ask, who better than Canyon besides Stone Cold Steve Austin? So, promises to make amends on that. Which I don't think he does that. Actually, no, he doesn't, but, but it's hilarious. He promises it. It's funny because Austin is like the leader of this alliance, and part of this whole storyline going forward to SummerSlam is like he doesn't know any of the guys <laughs> in it. It's, it's actually kind of funny. The whole thing with him and Sean Stasiak is pretty funny. It is so. funny. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes everybody look like jokes, but it's funny. It does make yeah. them look like jabronis. They don't mean jack squat, but it's... Oh, at least Austin's hilarious. So. He is. <laughs> the uh, the conscience of the WWF comes out, along with Mrs. Conscience, Undertaker, and mm. Sarah, and they're going to take on your boy Rhino, man. So I don't know, who the heck were you cheering for in 2001 in a match like this? <sighs> I might just had to turn it off. No, I know exactly what I was cheering for. was Rhino. Yeah, I promise you, were, you. Yeah, I no promise doubt. you I was cheering for Rhino because I was so not a Taker fan right then. Because I just didn't want to see his stupid wife on screen. Stop taking away my dead man. Well, <laughs> you would go on to be very disappointed on this night as Taker blocks the gore with a big boot and gets the pin. He uh, gets the choke slam on Rhino as DDP is making his way out of the crowd and starts creeping on Sarah, as we have seen so much over the past few weeks. Taker gets the pin, then he goes after DDP to a pretty big response from the crowd. And Taker, it's much like King of the Ring, man. He just manhandles DDP, beats him up into the crowd, tosses DDP into the ring, and here's where it starts to get ridiculous, is that Undertaker sends Sarah onto DDP, and she becomes Stone Cold Sarah Galloway here, man. She (laughs) starts stomping a mud hole in DDP, just unloading on him, to the point where Taker has to pull Sarah off of DDP. 
But Sarah pushes Taker away and continues to go after DDP just repeatedly. And I just had my head in my hands watching this back, man. It was so friggin' ridiculous. DDP gets no offense in. Well, it's like you mentioned last week. We haven't been introduced to her except for, like, she just, here she is, you know. It's not like she's a wrestler who has, you know, we know she has ring skills or we know she's, you know, has a temper or whatever. She just suddenly shows up on screen and puts her dukes up and fights DDP. It's just like there's no investment in her character, you know, or, or her uh, physicality even. So to see her just getting the best of DDP, we've already mentioned how much he's been buried at this point. Um, to see that just further buries him. I mean, it makes him look like a schmuck, you know. It's not like... Nia Jax coming into the Royal right. Rumble. Like, she's a wrestler. She's also, you know, very sizable. She, yeah, yeah, she can match up. She's bigger than half the guys that she was in, yeah. in the match with. And, you know, whether you like it or not, you could buy something like that. Sure. Sarah is... China was like that. You know, 90 pounds and yeah. also not a wrestler. I mean, right. even... Like Candice LeRae, she's not huge either, but you just establish that she's a wrestler, so you buy right. that if she's up in there up against guys. Sarah, this whole thing, it's come out of nowhere, and it's like it's being shoved down our throats. It's like if Miss Elizabeth suddenly got in the ring and started beating exactly. up uh, Hulk Hogan. Like, you wouldn't exactly. buy that. No, not at all. That's the, that's the perfect that's a perfect like uh, analogy there, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah, you'd no one would buy that at all. She's supposed to be the damsel in distress that can't mm-hmm. hold her own, you know? So, but. Well, DDP continues to take this beating so much that uh, uh, Taker actually goes outside and he gets a chair, uh, which allows DDP to grab Sarah's hand. And Taker goes for a chair shot on DDP, but DDP pulls Sarah in front of him. So Taker clobbers Sarah in the back with a chair, and DDP is able to escape that way. Taker's obviously devastated over this mistake, but again, like, Taker almost sort of caused the problem for himself there. It's not like DDP right. actually did much of anything to get the heat here. It's basically, you know, Taker hit Sarah himself, so it's yeah. still not allowing DDP to get much of anything in here, but uh, anyway. If, ta- if that were 2019, the crowd would have chanted, thank you, Taker. They would have. <laughs> you know, they, they would have. have. <laughs> Uh, that shows you how much things have changed. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Taker's going to carry his wife uh, to the back, screaming for an ambulance, and then Coach is going to go interview DDP, run into his car, and this is where we're going to see the turn begin to happen of DDP yes. going from this guy who's stalking Sarah to help get himself over and make a name for himself to a guy who is in love with Sarah and wants to be with Sarah. Uh, DDP talks about that he says the pain and anguish in Sarah's eyes turned him on and he hops in his Mm. rental car and pulls off and it's only going to get worse from there folks yeah it is this is like you said this is where they just really jumped the shark with the stalker because even the stalker stuff we covered last week he made a point to say I just you gotta go to the big dog you gotta go to the top make me famous but like you said now it's like it's becoming his character now. He's literally falling in love with her. We're going to see some things he's going to start doing to display his love for her. And it is just, it sucks. That's it's, all I can say. Is it, it does. Sucks. It sucks. It sucks for someone who is such a big fan of DDP like I was and you were. Like to see him fall this far, 
I mean, you know, ugh, I don't know. It's I, just I, weird. It's, it's, it's worse than him tagging with David Arquette. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just worse than that. Well, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> we'll no, see. It absolutely is. Uh, Canyon is going to get a chance to shine here again tonight. He takes on Y2J. So, you know, a bit of a cool match right there. And oh, yeah. uh, Jericho says, as he's coming out, he's got a mic. He says, it's clear that everyone in the arena is better than Canyon. And he actually, <laughs> he goes around ringside and starts asking people their names and says, oh, you're better than Canyon. This guy's better than Canyon. Uh, nice nice work from Jericho. And uh, Jericho actually forces Canyon to tap out. He gets a full-on lion tamer on him, dude. Like, knee in the back on yeah. lion tamer. It was nice to see that. Absolutely. I'm marked out for seeing that. He does it a couple more times throughout this build, and it's just great to see that, man, because we didn't see that a lot in the WWF. Saw the old Boston Crab instead. Yeah, yeah, I always popped when he actually busts out the Lion Tamer. But uh, there you go, man. Canyon, the guy who's going to get the tag team title shot here, is jobbing out of Jericho at the beginning of the month. <laughs> I don't think they quite knew where they were headed yet, but we'll see. Uh, I'd say no, they did not. Yeah. So, that brings us to SmackDown 101. So this is uh, <clears throat> July 26th of 2001. And so we're informed at the beginning of the show that DDP is going to take on Kane tonight. And apparently Taker is at home with Sarah based on what happened Monday. Um, there's this Alliance promo where they bring out all the gold that they're wearing, all the gold. That, and I, I, I forgot that they have almost all of the titles in the entire Federation at this point. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but they have, you know, one set of tag team titles. They have the, I think the U.S. title, the, the world title, the WWF title, the Intercontinental title, the, the Cruiserweight title. It's just, it's a bunch of it, man. So there's so cool. many titles, man. It's <clears throat> yeah. Uh, one of these episodes of Raw or SmackDown is like every single match had some sort of champion in it, <laughs> yeah. or some of them had two titles, and it's yeah. just like it's. Uh, Kind of devalues it a little bit when oh, yeah. every match is a championship match and feels like there's, I don't, I don't know, there's a dozen titles floating around at this yep. point. Absolutely. Well, during this promo, we learn that Booker T has gifted his WCW US title to <laughs> the just, Alliance MVP. Just giving titles away. <laughs> oh, but, dude, who better than Canyon to give it to, man? You're right. You know? So, there's a, so yeah, now Canyon is, is the United States champion. So, good for him. He never amounted to anything like that in WCW. So, anyway, um, we get to Lug's Boot of the Week as Taker smashing his wife with that chair from Raw you discovered. So, <clears throat> we get DDP versus Kane. And um, I just wrote there's some great post-production heat for DDP. You can tell it's not real heat, but mm. you can tell it's piped in, even mm. though Pritchard says it's not. Forget that. It definitely is. Because the crowd's – what you hear in your ear holes is different than what you see on the screen. So. A little bit but, of sweetening um, going on. A little bit of sweetening. Maybe a little stevia-ing. I don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, had to get a dad joke in there or something. But anyway, it's been a while. So, yeah, we, we did some good heat, though. But those say ref Nick Patrick is the referee for this match, and he's going to play a role in the, some of this build. Fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, DDP brings a chair in the ring, and he swings it at Kane. And Kane ducks, and he grabs a chair from DDP, and he nails nails DDP with it, and Nick Patrick calls for DQ. And for some stupid reason, JR's like, but DDP brought the chair in the ring. That's some questionable officiating. No, it's not. You can bring anything you want in the ring. It's who uses it. That's right. Like, it's 
I don't know, man. It was like a definitely like an off comment for Jr. Like, I don't know. They're trying to get over this. Nick Patrick is favoring the Lions, you know. But right. like that, that really wasn't it. That wasn't the spot to play it in. Reaching it was, for it right there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's DD. It's a a DDQ is about what I almost just said. <laughs> DDQ. It's a DQ, and DDP smashes Kane in the back with a chair just for good measure to add a little icing on the cake there. But then Kane's going to sit up like it's, you know, 1998, and DDP gets scared and bails, and Kane turns around and chokeslams Nick Patrick just to put more icing on the cake, I guess, there, just solidify what's going on, and he's angry. And this is also the episode, I just want to mention, where Angle wins a WCW title from Booker T in Pittsburgh. So. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so if anyone remembers that. so More titles changing hands here, and we're yep. going to continue to see that uh, Raw of 427, July 30th, 2001. We get a bit of a throwback to earlier in the year as Taker and Kane are going to face the Dudleys in a tables match here. Uh, but the highlight of the show uh, is at the beginning of the show as Dreamer, Taz, and Paul Heyman come out and forcibly remove Michael Cole from the commentary table per the request of Stephanie McMahon. And Paul Heyman is going to replace Cole and be with JR here throughout the invasion. So definitely, definitely a highlight of things here. Um, well, why they didn't do that at the invasion pay per view, we don't know. No, nope, we'll never know. <laughs> um, Shane and Steph and Vince are all outside waiting for a limo to arrive with The Rock. And that's the major storyline going on here these next few weeks is that uh, The Rock's going to be coming back. Vince has lifted the suspension on him. That's you know, kept him out of action all summer while he's been shooting a movie. But uh, he's going to be the guy to come save the WWF. And we'll talk about that here when we get to the Survivor Series. But anyway, uh, the Rock a limo pulls up, but it's not the Rock. It's the Invasion MVP Canyon popping out instead, and he tries to get an MVP chant going, but everyone just walks away disgustedly. He's awesome. He's great. Oh my god. Uh, Canyon's going to team up with someone else here, Lance Storm, as uh, the U.S. champion and the IC champ are going to team up for the first time ever here, uh, taking on Edge and Christian. And Dang. Yeah, uh, dang for Canyon and Lance Storm, because they're just, they're treated as jokes, man. JR is just uh, burying both of them on commentary, even though they're both title holders. And yeah. Especially Canyon. He's just talking about what an idiot this guy Canyon is, and um, it, again, it's this problem of everyone's got a title. If everyone has a title, then none of these titles mean anything. There's so many right. of them. But uh, Stormy Canyon do actually win. They, there's a little miscommunication between Edge and Christian as they are headed towards their breakup here in a few weeks. And uh, Stormy Canyon do get a win there. And then... Uh, there's a tag team that could have been. Could have been, yeah. They could have had some good matches. Uh, we did get Storm and Hurricane, though, for a little mm-hmm. while. It was a fun little tag team. Uh, we get a video package recapping everything that went on with Sarah last week, and Coach interviews the Dudleys, who confirm that they want to put Sarah through a table tonight. Uh, but she won't be back. She won't be safe backstage either because DDP could be lurking after her, wanting to come after her back there too. Ooh. So Undertaker's in a bit of a pickle here, uh, but he decides to bring Sarah out with him. So the whole family of destruction heads down to the ring, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, the family that destructs together stays together. Exactly. Heyman on commentary says this is a mistake by Undertaker, and really the only way for Sarah to be safe would be for the Undertaker to join the Alliance. So sends out an invitation to him. 
And uh, <laughs> so stupid. It was. And it's just, uh, it's these oh, it's t- heels. It's heel stuff. It's no, no. Heyman. Heyman's great on commentary. Um, yeah. We haven't been mentioning this much either because it hasn't really had to do with Undertaker. But same thing with titles being everywhere. It felt like. Did you feel like there was a tables match on like every, every other, other week. week on TV yeah. all the time, man? Ever since 2000, I feel like we've covered a tables match every other episode of Raw or SmackDown. It's crazy how much they give them away for free. And again, at this point, you don't have any competition. <laughs> like, why are they doing no. that on free TV? And the yeah. rules seem to change from week to week too. Because sometimes <laughs> yes. you have to put both guys through the table. But like tonight, it's just one the first person to go through a table. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I hate the inconsistency there. So. Well, a little bit of consistency is that uh, Nick Patrick is the ref and Taker's going to go for a choke slam on Devon through the table, but Nick Patrick's going to shove the table out of the way. I remember that like it was yesterday, well, watching it like live. <laughs> he just throws the table out of the way. It's amazing. Taker's obviously not happy about that, but DDP's going to run in, hit a little Death Valley shot on Undertaker. And of course, Sarah is going to come in and try to fight DDP herself. But uh, DDP manhandles her, and he gives her to Bubba. Bubba's got that look in his eyes, uh, and he's going to attempt a Bubba bomb off the top rope through a table. He gets Sarah in position, but uh, Taker's a little slow getting there, so Bubba has to hold Sarah up forever. But uh, (laughs) Taker finally, Taker and Kane stop him, and uh, Taker ends up chokeslamming Bubba through the table to beat the Dudley boys at their own game. And DDP is going to run away out of fear here. So, again, <laughs> the DDP-Taker feud continues, but DDP one-sided. is completely one-sided. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. Well, it's going to get more ridiculous here. Um, it's, I mean, talk about shark jumping. Here it goes. So, SmackDown 102, uh, August 2nd, 2001. Uh, we see DDP earlier today backstage, and he's got this shrine to Sarah. And I say shrine, I mean like he's got pictures all over the wall. He's got candles. He's it is freaking creepy, man. It's like something out of an episode of Criminal Minds or something, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like something out of Hey Arnold. That when uh, that too. <laughs> Helga Pataki had a shrine to Arnold. <laughs> the football That's what it looks head. like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But he's like, you know, you're a very bad girl, and you need a bad boy like me. And it's just like all these sexual overtones and stuff it is and he he basically starts to make out with a picture of her on the wall like mm. he's getting in her face and like putting his lips on hers and it's just like and he even admits here like when this all first started sarah i just wanted to be famous now i just want to be yours And then he goes full blast and he licks a picture of Sarah. Yummy. <laughs> Thanks, Ace. <laughs> picture of Sarah and blows out the candle for some alone time. He said. Did, he, so... did he pull out a bottle of lotion too? <laughs> I did, the camera cut away before we could see that. <laughs> it just went all the way with it. 
<laughs> they might as well have. <laughs> I mean, they might as well just had a shark like door, like a, like a floor mat. That's a shark, and he just w- jumps over it. That would have been amazing. So, so, are we to believe that DDP just brought all this stuff with him to the arena in his bag to set it up? In the locker? Well, I'm going to get into that in just a minute. I think it's actually off-site, so mm. um, I think that's the I think that's the case we have here. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing. But then as this episode plays off, I think it, they start to mention that it's off-site, but I, I don't know. I can't really put any rhyme or reason to what's going on here. So, Well, um, not to get ahead of ourselves, but he does the same thing on Raw the next week, too. So <laughs> he travels with his shrine, I guess so. sets it up at every arena. <laughs> I guess he does. Oh, man. Um, Which, I mean, yeah. the luggage yeah. costs weren't quite as expensive back then, but still. You know, we had to have like three carry-ons for all yeah. the scandals and stuff. Jeez. But man, yeah. So the Alliance MVP Canyon is out, and he's got a question for those on Capitol Hill. Who better than Canyon? <laughs> so it's just great, man. They're in they're in Washington D.C. So it's it's, it's good stuff, man. Well, but that's anyway. something the entire government can agree on, right there. <laughs> Who better than Canyon? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nobody. Nobody is. So except for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Exactly, except for Stone Cold. Well, Kane's pyro goes off, and I just assume we got a match going on here, and it's actually for the U.S. title. Mm. And Nick Patrick is the referee again. So um, at near the end of the match, Kane goes for a choke slam, but as he does, Canyon like reaches out and grabs Nick Patrick and like tugs on him. So when he does that, um, or actually, Kane gets actually does get the choke slam on Canyon, but Nick Patrick's like, "Well, he touched my shirt, so he calls for a DQ to let Canyon win." Enough. Exactly, <laughs> yo, touch my shirt, man. Too bad Conan didn't come over. <laughs> oh, oh man, yo, that's enough. <laughs> oh man, oil of Olay all day, every day, <laughs> all day, every. So DDP was just saying a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> oh man. So Kane, you go blind Kane, doing that. <laughs> <Kane>. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, Romy. Jeez, it's okay. Kane does win this match, but it's by DQ. So Canyon's going to keep his, his hard-fought U.S. title here, and uh, Kane's going to turn around and chokeslam Nick Patrick once again. <laughs> <laughs> Making a living out of chokeslamming Nick Patrick. And I, at this point, I just asked myself, are we building to a Kane versus Nick Patrick match at the SummerSlam? Yeah, with one arm tied behind his back. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So later on, we get an in-ring segment that ends with Deborah smashing a plate of cookies over Steve Austin's head. I just had to mention that because really stupid. Yeah. But anyway, um, we see we see uh, Bill Regal backstage, and uh, he tells his, his pal Tajiri, they need to go find Taker. So later we see Taker and Sarah barging into Regal's office, and Taker's like, you know, why is my match with Booker T tonight not a WCW title match? You know, he says I've been I've been riding around DC all afternoon trying to find that skeezer, DDP. <laughs> Can you explain something to me? What, what the hell good is it to wrestle the WCW champion and it be a non-title match? What am I not worthy? I spend my whole damn afternoon. Going around every little sleazy dive hotel in D.C. looking for that skeezer page. And I get back, and the only way I get to relieve any aggression is a match with Booker T for what? What, for pride? I got plenty of pride. I'd like the title. I had to rewind it, dude. And he said skeezer. Skeezer. I guess that's a 
derogatory term, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. It can't be a good term. It can't be good, though. No. They're trying to find that skeezer DDP, and he's like, am I not worthy? Is it my? He said, is it my job to persuade Booker T for a title match? And uh, Regal's like, okay, okay, fine. Like, And so he says, you know, I'll take my aggression out on Booker T tonight. And then he uh, looks at Tajiri, and he's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> Tajiri's like fainting. <laughs> like, he's scared and stuff. He's just... Tajiri was perfect for this he role backstage. He was fantastic, yeah. So good. Really so, shined. So, yeah. yeah. That's why I think that since he was driving around looking for this skeezer, I think it was off-site, like in a hotel or something. Okay. But, again, it doesn't make sense for what's going to happen on Raw, so like you said. So, anyway... Uh, Booker and Shane make that match a WCW title match. He's like, yeah, I'm going to prove that I'm worth it and prove that uh, you know I can I can I can win around here. So Taker then walks out with Sarah by his side for his first ever WCW title shot. So wow, yeah, didn't get one as mean Mark. No, so. not back then. No. Yeah, got that US title shot against Flex, the Flex Luger, but getting the WCW title shot against Booker T. A dream come true for Mark Galloway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Shane comes out with Booker and. Um, Taker's really, really aggressive. Again, I just like the way he he sells his character in the ring, man. It just can't be. He did it back when he was a dead man. He, he did it when he was in the ministry. It's just, it's really cool. So many guys nowadays don't do that. It's just a match, you know, another match, another exhibition. But he's very, very aggressive here. Um, they actually have some pretty good chemistry, which I didn't, I wasn't sure they would. They kind of have a, I don't know, their styles kind of clash. But seeing him in the ring was pretty cool here to revisit. So. Of course, Shane's going to get involved on a thousand occasions. He's like punching and kicking Taker behind the rest back, and um, eventually Taker goes and he he grabs Booker by the throat, and Shane grabs Sarah by the arms and uses her like as a shield to kind of get Taker's attention. And Taker stops and he goes out to help his wife, and Sarah starts elbowing out, elbowing Shane McMahon in the head. Oh my of God. course, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And Taker comes out and punches Shane like in the face and knocks him down again. Shane bumps like a fish out of water he's amazing so um booker then attacks uh taker from behind with a chair and he starts hitting him and he rolls taker in the ring and goes to use the chair again and when he does the rock slides in and he nails booker t with a rock bottom so lots of schmoz stuff going on here the refs like the refs knocked out shane the rock get involved again and alliance you know the b crew of the alliance come in and they start eating a bunch of choke slams and rock bottoms from Taker and Rock. and uh, Taker and Rock stand tall as the Alliance members bail with their ta- tails tucked between their legs and kind of disappear up the ramp. So, yep, bar for the course here. But um, this Taker and Rock together kind of reminded me of them. A couple, we covered a couple of years ago when they you know, they kind of started siding with each other a little bit. Former kind of, tag team champions. Yeah, so it was kind of funny to see them come come around again together. So. Very cool stuff, man. We'll we'll talk about Booker T at a later date as well, uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, we move on to uh, Raw 428, August 6, 2001, and here's where things are kind of kind of actually start to come into place for the pay per view here. Two weeks out, uh, but first the uh, hardcore legend Kane, uh, former <laughs> champion, is going to take on RVD for the hardcore title and a battle of future tag team champions as well because wrestling that's is weird weird yep yeah <laughs> uh this is a fun little hardcore match man they had good chemistry with oh, each yeah. other but ddp comes in hits kane with a couple of chair shots which allows rvd to hit the five star for the win and kane immediately sits up and chases ddp into the crowd uh of we get <laughs> yeah. uh, we get a look backstage at the uh hey arnold shrine that ddp has now moved into the <laughs> arena and 
he appears to just be praying at it, lusting towards it. I don't know what's going on here. Man, This, like you said, this whole story has gone to an absolutely ridiculous level. Uh, and DDP's just saying he wants Sarah, he needs Sarah, all this creepy stuff. It's. Uh, I tell you what, though. DDP had an impossible role to play here, and he committed to it 1,000%. Yes. I will give... Yes. Uh, credit to DDP for that. Uh, this is completely the writer's fault for coming up with this oh, yeah. terrible storyline. I can't blame DDP one bit because he is nope. he's he's doing it, man. He's in this character. Yeah, he's done. He's doing a great job at, at all that you know the acting and everything. He's he's like you say, he's all in. I think he's just excited to be in WWF, you know, and he's going all in for it. But yeah, it's it's like it runs me like when like Stardust, you know, and Cody Rhodes did Stardust, like. It sucked, but like he put his heart and soul into that. You could tell, you know. Yeah, he got and, it over. Yeah, absolutely. But no, not not to be said here for the stalker. <laughs> well, if you need further evidence about the writers during this time, let me just fill you in on a few of the feuds happening on this episode of Raw are about cookies, as you mentioned on mm-hmm. SmackDown. That continues on on the Raw uh, stalkers, as we've talked about. A girl getting dumped for a mop. Uh, acting auditions where Booker T and The Rock are feuding over a role at a oh, yeah. taking uh, acting roles and Planet of the Apes as we get a movie tie-in where a bunch of people in ape costumes throw a pie into Stephanie face. Yep, yep. That all happens <laughs> on this episode of Raw. Isn't it, didn't Bruce Pritchard say that Vince just loves apes? Like he loves gorillas and stuff. Like, I guess. That's what he's like, Vince thinks monkeys are funny and stuff. So they Why just is that not surprising? <laughs> he's like a child. <laughs> I'll never forget this episode with the Planet of the Apes, Chris oh, Jericho stuff. Man. Oh, it was it was god awful back then. It's just so we're in an alternate universe, man. With some of these stories, yeah. it's it's bizarro land. Uh, Undertaker rides into the arena. Uh, Sarah's on the back of the bike here. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I wish we would see more of that or in the sidecar, you know? But, yeah. Uh, Kane meets him up in the parking lot and says, You better be glad I waited on you here. I wanted to go after DDP. Uh, but he's got this shrine backstage. It's even sicker than the last one. Ew. Yeah. Uh, Taker's <laughs> like, Well, if you don't mind, just tell me where the shrine is. Then you take Sarah over to the APA, let them watch her, and then you come join me and we'll destroy it together because this has gone on way too long. So now he's got a plan in place to protect Sarah. There you go. Yeah. The, a- the APA. The APA. Makes sense. Uh, Undertaker finds DDP Shrine in the arena, and uh, he's even got a picture uh, in the shrine of Undertaker and Sarah's wedding photo, and he's got DDP's face photoshopped onto it. He went all out with it, man. Uh, and Taker begins to destroy it, and I just did air quotes for all you guys listening on the podcast since you can't see me. But I say that because he has a very difficult time actually trying to destroy this. There's like a, mo- a TV monitors with the video footage from a few weeks ago playing all throughout there. And I don't know what happened if he, like, was not supposed to destroy the monitors, but he, like, rips them down very gently. And then there's like, all these candles in there. So I think he's trying not to set the room on fire because he's just, like, lightly tearing pictures off the wall and oh. not actually doing anything to destroy it, but trying to look like he is. And it just looks really lame. 
Uh, but oh man, that sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, as he's doing that, we see a shadow appear in the corner, and DDP walks in, and Taker goes to beat him up, but it's not DDP. It is Canyon doing something we saw him do in WCW a couple times, impersonating DDP. Yeah. Uh, did he have his blonde wig on? He did, yeah. He was in full DDP gear. Uh, that leaves the real DDP to come in and use, I don't know what they're called. It's like the thing that Scott Steiner and Lex Luger used to have, the little muscle pump-up pump up bar. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that thing's called. Uh, I think muscle pump-up bar sounds good to me. Close enough. Uh, accordion, accordion stick, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Stick Wax, ball bat. Uh, Wax Undertaker with one of those, and him and Canyon beat up on Undertaker until Kane runs in to save his brother, and the two DDPs run away out of the locker room. And, dude, I'm not not even exaggerating here, but this scene was, like, one of the worst, most embarrassing things we've covered in 77 episodes. To see Undertaker, like, like a... <laughs> not being able to destroy the locker room and then just the silliness of the shrine in the first place it was just oh man it, it was brutal br brutal was it worse than irs yes it was whoa. this is terrible man whoa that's horrifying oh man i have to go back and watch that because I, I don't remember seeing it like a re cap of that on the next episode of SmackDown. Maybe Probably they thought it was it terrible so too. Bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings us to SmackDown 103. This is um, August 9th of 2001. And the show opens with an alliance meeting backstage and Austin's up on the table uh, like giving a pep talk about how unified everybody is and stuff. So <clears throat> just kind of you know, again building this alliance versus WWF thing, but again, if the Alliance won, shouldn't they kind of be in charge? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> right. Anyway, in the opening match, we get two thirds of the Jersey Triad. Uh, we got DDP and um, Canyon here, and they actually win the WWF Tag Team Titles from the APA. So a little bit of continuity there, where the APA was holding Sarah on Monday. Yeah. And how about that? Yeah, they are. Yeah. So at some point, they got the Tag Team Titles. I don't remember how that happened, but th- th- we're playing hot potato with these titles right here man it is so much like people thought russo was bad at it like there's uh, 400 titles in in wf right now so they're just flip-flopping and flying like a cruiserweight so they're yeah at some point the apa won them and they lose them to ddp and canyon here because test of all people helps he comes out and interferes and helps the apa to lose this match and he's going to defect to the alliance on this episode so I just wrote, like, in my notes, like, holy crap, like, Canyon is a double champion. Like, Canyon has the U.S. title and the WWF tag team titles. If you would quiz me on Canyon being a former WWF tag team champion, I would have forgotten. <laughs> and I would have said, no, he held the WCW ones during the alliance. I forgot oh, no. he held the WWF ones. So, that was but, their um, big way to try to get heat during this time was to have – the WWF yes. hold WWF titles and, and yes. vice versa, but yeah, it uh, you know they they saw something in Canyon, man. <clears throat> sure, must have. He's a double champ, man. He's the only double champ in the alliance at this point because Booker T gave him his title, you know. So um, DDP and Canyon are celebrating backstage with Tess, and this is Tess say he's going to go get a table at the Viper Room for them. So <laughs> okay. not sure if they're going with yeah. Eric Bischoff or what they're going to go do, but anyway. Uh, Regal comes up and he's it's actually kind of neat here because he comes up and he's, he tells DDP and Canyon that now that 
they're the WWF Tag Champs. They fall under his jurisdiction. So at SummerSlam, they're going to be defending their tag team titles in a cage match against the Brothers of Destruction. So they're pretty incredulous about this. I mean, DDP is kind of, you know, is what it is, but Canyon's really going over the top selling it like, oh, no. Like, but again, why does it warrant a cage match at this point? Like, I'm stumped. I, I got nothing I don't for know. you. Yeah, yeah. Just because they need an attraction? I don't know. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, there's no real reason given for it. Well, something I mentioned earlier was David Arquette and DDP and how they had a, a little bit of a um, uh, cooperation back in WCW. Well, this former WCW heavyweight champion, David Arquette, is in the audience tonight at this episode of SmackDown. <laughs> the Alliance pulling out all the stops, man. <laughs> yes, bringing back all the former champions, man. So, yeah, um, What if he jumped in and got involved? I know. <laughs> he would. Came after the Rock. He would. Yeah, I've been great, dude. Oh, man. So, well, Palumbo and O'Hare, two of our favorites, they're all fired up backstage. They want to be there for Austin after his, you know, uh, speech earlier in the night. So they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be leaders. And Austin's like, you know, don't back down from anybody. So they go into Regal's office and lay out a challenge to for any WWF tag team tonight. So Regal says, you know, I'm going to give you real competition as long as you guys put your WCW tag titles on the line. So they're like, sure, we're going to we'll defend them against whatever mystery opponents you want. Well, actually winds up being our boys, the Brothers of Destruction. There you go. So, yeah, a lot happening here with the tag team. So I think they just decided, like, this morning to, like, <laughs> make this happen. That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> but like, but it's it works. The, the way yeah, to works. tell the story works with uh, oh, yeah. Regal making all these stipulations. I, I yeah. buy it. it. Oh, yeah, it does. I like it. And, um, I, again, another thing I like is that Kane and Taker actually give these two young guys, like, they, they sell for them a lot. Give them a lot of offense, um, you know, allow them to hit a lot of offense, I think. But as the match kind of breaks down toward the end here, the Bros. Destruction, finally they hit stereo choke slams and actually double-pinned them to win the WCW Tag Team titles. So another tag title reign for our tag team specialist, The Undertaker. Chalk it up, man. So. Another one. Such a freaking tag, and it all started in New Japan. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All started in uh, WCW with the skyscraper, uh, Dan Spivey. No, I guess he was. was, Yeah, he was. Was yeah. Because Sid was out. Right. Yeah. So little did he know he become a wonderful tag team tag team specialist. So um, I just want to mention one last thing about this episode. This is iconic. This is where Rhino gores Jericho through the Ovaltron, Hmm. um, thus ending this era of the SmackDown sets. And uh, we'll have, we'll see what happens next week on SmackDown when it comes to the set. So very cool. Very important. Very historic right there. We definitely marked out for that. I know you did. Oh yeah, absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, so let's go home to the pay-per-view here. Last couple shows, Raw 429 on August 13th, 2001. This is another historic moment here. Promo uh, probably a lot of people remember. This is uh, Stone Cold's giving another pep talk to the whole alliance, and he uh, gives a special recognition to the new tag team champs, DDP and Canyon. 
And this might be a segment you remember where Stone Cold just absolutely buries Taz and Raven and Tommy Dreamer and Hugh Morris and makes fun of all of them, tells them they're all terrible, they all suck, and it's very weird. But, more importantly, it's also where Stone Cold debuts, what? (laughs) Says it for the first time. And it, like, it's a moment that some wrestling fans in 2019 probably wish never had happened in the first place (laughs) because... It still interrupts promos to this day, but it's iconic, <laughs> and it was very... You wouldn't think anything of it as he's doing this promo. He just, like, slides it in there as he's saying, Your name is Hugh Morris. What? Your name is Hugh Morris. What? Is that funny? Is that humorous? Are you here to make me laugh? What? You're pathetic! And, like, the crowd doesn't get it. They have no idea. And who would have known that would go on to be Uh, one of the most iconic catchphrases of all time. It's amazing. And it all started with a voicemail he left on Christian's voicemail. Like, how crazy is that, you know? Here it is. I I was wondering when we were going to get to the birth of the what chance. Because I remember it being real big when he interrogates RVD backstage. Remember that? Later on, yeah, I, I knew it happened before that. But I couldn't remember when. So here you go, man. That's, That's awesome. Right I'm glad there. you pointed that out. So, what? Uh, that's it right there. What? That was it. <laughs> right there. <laughs> uh, DDP and Canyon are gonna be backstage talking to Palumbo and O'Hare because Palumbo and O'Hare are gonna get their rematch tonight with Taker and Kane inside of a steel cage. Because oh, what better way yeah. to announce a, uh, to advertise a special attraction than by giving it away for free six days before? <laughs> That's a very Russo thing to do. Oh my god, so stupid! But what? Uh, I said it was dumb. <laughs> okay. Stupid, idiotic, what? terrible. What? <laughs> Russo esque. What? Roman of the week. What? <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. Uh, and what? <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> oh man, this segment with DDP, Canyon, Palumbo, and O'Hare, it was just, just made me sad, man, because half of those guys are no longer with us, dude, and well, we loved all four of those guys, dude, so absolute shame that, uh, to, that just made me sad seeing all four of those guys in a segment together. I'm glad you brought that up, because I, I don't, I don't, we like to be lighthearted and have fun here, but I do want to break it down, and if I can borrow from Lance Storm, be serious for a minute, but, um, it is sad because O'Hare and Canyon are both gone, and think about Mike Awesome too. He's gone as well, and they're all in the alliance. And unfortunately, all, th- all three of them died by their own accord, you know, like mm, took their yeah. own lives, yeah. and that really sucks. Um, those are three of my, my favorite guys like from this era, uh, especially Mike Awesome and O'Hare. But um, to see them all here and, and then just to know how their lives end up sucks, especially Canyon's because – uh, his apparently was because he was gay, you know, and was apparently everybody knew that, and uh, no one cared. But I guess he was insecure about it. But anyway, uh, we have great memories about these guys, and uh, they had such a future ahead of them. And we wish we could have seen some more of them. But anyway, that's our serious moment for the week. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, way too much talent, and, and I mean, I mean, it's horrible when anyone does it, but especially these guys when we're a fan of them and, and get to see that and. You know, it's it's great that we still have their memories and their uh, yeah. the stuff that we can go back and look at. But uh, 
What and, could what could have been, man? What could have been? Do you know how old Mike Awesome would be right now? He's probably only in his forties. I mean, he probably could no, still be going. He is only a month younger than Steve Austin. Oh wow. He would he's fifty he would have been fifty four in okay. uh, last week. Okay. That's crazy to think because we think of him as so much younger hmm. than the rest of the guys, you know, but he's it's amazing. Like, I was blown away. I looked. I had to look it up and see just because I was thinking about these guys and seeing you know how young they passed away and what age they would have been today. And he was, dude, he he looked great for his age back then. You know, yeah. I had no idea he was Austin's age. So anyway, um, sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. No, absolutely. Uh, that's rest in peace. In all seriousness, yes. In all seriousness, all yeah. those guys. Uh, well, this cage match here, just another wild sentence that we're getting Undertaker and Kane versus Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare for the WCW Tag Team Dials inside of a steel cage on Monday Night Raw with no announcement to it. But there you go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know you said they gave Palumbo and O'Hare a lot of offense on SmackDown. That is not the case here on Raw. This is a one of the biggest squash matches inside of a steel cage you will ever see. They absolutely decimate these young bucks from wcw and uh, including chuck palombo doing what was probably if i had to guess his first and last ever blade job in this match wow. he actually gets color in here and taker and kane beat on these guys like far past the point of trying to win the match they're just sending a message to ddp and canyon who yeah. are out there uh watching at the top of the stage and Taker gives Palumbo a last ride, uh, and DDP and Canyon make their way out to try and circle around Sarah, who's on the outside. But Sarah just decides to climb onto the cage. Uh, Canyon and Paige try to climb after her, but Taker tosses Sean O'Hare into the cage, which knocks DDP and Canyon off as they're trying to climb it up. And uh, they get the win here. They do a double pin on Palumbo and O'Hare and pretty much end their WWE career as a tag team at least uh at this point right, right here and this is uh i just have to say this is not the type of burial we enjoy seeing from the undertaker on this podcast right it's not what we like but uh there it was man and this is where we're getting into the time where you know we we're huge fans of the undertaker we always try to stick up for him but i think his critics would point to moments like this as sure. uh, things they might not like about undertaker or him uh, you know, burying people because uh, this this one hundred percent was right because he has enough <clears throat> shoot locker room clout in the back to say no, let's give these guys some you know let them get one up on us or something. But I guess he was just like screw this stuff. Not tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not not what's uh what they, what's Hogan always say? Can't do that for you, brother. Or doesn't something work like for that. me, brother. Yeah, it doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't work for me, brother. I guess is whether you're saying backstage a lot. So. Anyway, well, that was the go-home Raw for SummerSlam. That's very yeah, – is what it is. So um, we're going to take us to the go-home SmackDown here, SmackDown 104, August 16th. Um, this is a go-home for the SummerSlam, again, in my tribute to Bret Hart. Um, <clears throat> this is the first ever live SmackDown on UPN. Ooh. And we get a new opening song as well. We got Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I hate that song. <laughs> uh, me too, but it fit. God dang it, if it didn't fit for yep. for SmackDown. Um, what do you think? Oh, yeah. Do you think this SmackDown opening or the original? Which one's more iconic to you? Like oh. when you think of SmackDown, do you think of this or do you think of the uh, 
I think of that music, but I think of this set. It's about to debut. Okay. I wish we could combine the two. Because this is the debut of the SmackDown Fist busting through the glass. Which, again, I love this set, especially because that SmackDown game, you could jump off, climb up and jump off of it. Yes. It was awesome. <laughs> so, which no one ever did that in real life, I don't remember. But um, I, I know. We always used to think Jeff Hardy would do that yeah, at some point. Yeah, we did. But he never did. Never um, did. Only I, could... think, I, I think I picked this one. This this entrance, or I mean this opening. Bit, when I think SmackDown, I think beautiful people. I, and I think this... Uh, opening video maybe I think it's because of the video game whatever I think yeah. it was Just Bring It I think is what had that intro and that. I think that's why I played more than anything so maybe that's why but yeah you know I, the, the the first one was great too but this is this is Smackdown to me uh, beautiful people and, mm. and these guys that's funny man yeah because I just I, I, I do think of the original song but I do think of this um, this era and yeah. this uh, set um but you know the Opaltron is iconic, but just I really do like this set though. So yeah, we got the debut there uh, of that here, and Kenny and DDP are going to defend their WWF tag titles against Edge and Christian here, and um, that that match could have been five stars, man. So, sure, yeah, yeah, but it's not because they went after Lance Storm interferes, helps them because he's kind of I think he and Mike Awesome are kind of or no he's kind of feuding with Edge a little bit here, and so. And they're building that Edge and Christian, uh, the you know, kind of the, they're going their separate ways a little bit. So, um, old clean cut coach interviews the Brothers of Destruction backstage, and he taught he asked him about the champion versus champion match at SummerSlam. Um, the you know the tag teams versus the WWE tag titles versus WWE tag titles, and Taker says that he's going to need to make an example on DDP, and he's like, Paige has got me puzzled. Hmm. He starts off saying that he wants to be famous, and now he's making a shrine of my wife. And which again, exactly my sentiments in real life. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like I'm also puzzled. So positively puzzled. So I don't get it either. But um, Taker says he hopes CDP studied his WWF history because he has a great history in cage matches. He talks about Hell in a Cell and anything like that. And which again, let's go back. The first Hell in a Cell, you lost. <laughs> so, a lot of True. people forget that. But um, <clears throat> anyway. But um, he then put. But then Taker actually does put over Canyon. He's like, you know, this guy's a great worker. He's got some innovative uh, offense here. He's got a bright future. Why would he associate himself with this Laos DDP? <laughs> he didn't say Laos, but I just had to. But skeezer. Like, yeah, skeezer. Thank you. Why would you, you know, associate with this skeezer DDP? So, um, again, I do appreciate Taker putting over Canyon. They're not just calling him some kind of chump stain and they almost squash you like a bug, and which is what happens. But anyway. It's nice to put over your opponents because then when you beat them, you beat somebody. Yeah, so means something. Yeah, but he says this Sunday is gonna be no place to run and hide, and it's gonna be ugly, which is so prophetic. Yes, it is. <laughs> so prophetic. So um, later on in this show, SmackDown, uh, we got Taz versus Kurt Angle, and both guys have like, I don't think it's a lumberjack match where they both come out with like other members of their company with them. And Taker and Kane are some of the guys that come out to kind of flank uh, Kurt Angle. And, of course, after the match, uh, the Alliance and WWF guys get into this huge brawl. And then the show kind of goes off the air. So that's uh, that's the build, the end of the build-up to uh, the SummerSlam 2001. So short and sweet. Not short enough. In my yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but, 
you know, it's just this whole bizarre twist of, of DDP's character change. I don't know what necessitated this, who decided to make that change over to making DDP the the psychological stalker into the actual creepy stalker. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, what more can be said about it? It just completely takes his character off the cliff, jumps the shark, ruins everything. And yep. uh, thank goodness it didn't last much longer besides this, but it's going to go out in a, uh, <laughs> in, a, in a quite the burial here as we talk about SummerSlam, the SummerSlam 2001, August 19th, 2001, San Jose, California here, man. Uh, yeah. Compact center, which weren't we just in San Jose? I remember talking about when Austin was actually getting some heel heat in triple H. I feel like we were just in San Jose. Like we probably were <laughs> not very long ago. So anyway, um, well, yeah, we got another good theme song opening up this show. We got <laughs> let the bodies hit the floor by drowning pool, dude. So wait, 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 you think that's a good song, but beautiful people is not. No, neither one of them are good songs. They're great wrestling songs. <laughs> okay. But that's dude, a great point. There there are good songs and there are good wrestling songs. Yes. I hate <laughs> completely different with things. A passion. But that opening song for Raw was perfect, you know? Papa Roach. I, I hate Papa Roach with Fire Passion, but that song was perfect for Raw. Okay. They're great wrestling songs. Great way to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, dude, this creepy opening awesome music video with, like, the body song playing and this cool promo for the show, it's really neat. Really well done, so. Yep. Rest in peace to that guy, too. The guy from Drowning Pool. Bray Wyatt? Yeah. <laughs> It looks like Bray Wyatt. Look like Bray Wyatt. <laughs> but no can't way. you see Bray Wyatt singing? <laughs> singing yeah, he it. should come out with Elias and do that sometimes. <laughs> might as well. Yeah. They've already killed that character. Oh, so. my goodness. Oh, man. <clears throat> this is anyway. a good show, man. Good show overall. Yeah. This opening match, Lance Storm and Edge. Seriously, this is one of the best openers you will so ever good. see. I, I don't know why more people don't talk about this match because – I, I didn't it's watch the whole show. The Alliance angle. I guess so. That's why. Yeah. But this is like the peak of Lance Storm and WWE right here, man. So good. I freaking loved this match. Uh, I hadn't watched it in years, but I always remembered it being good. So I, I watched it before this match, and I'm glad I did because I could watch something good. But uh, this match was <laughs> great. Uh, shout it's out, Edge uh, really coming to his own in the singles, like exactly. as a singles wrestler, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jay Stanley, if you're listening out there, which I know you are, go watch this match. You will really enjoy it. I know you will. Uh, just made me think of you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, overall, man, there's some other good stuff too. It's, yeah, there is, man. It's a fun little six man. It's, it's got that spot where Tess just launches Spike Dudley off the top rope through that table and it just crumbles like it's, I mean, made out of toothpicks, man. It's insane. And then also Rhino and Jericho, man, which, with a good match. And this is one where. Jericho gets gored as he jumps like from the turnbuckle to the outside. It's a pretty cool spot. And then also that RVD and Jeff ladder match, which those guys can never have a bad match. Right, yeah. Um, Angle and Austin just ripping the roof down off the house. But I remember hating being so mad at that match because Angle has Austin in the ankle lock and Austin touches the ropes, but the ref won't call it. I remember that being yeah. so mad about that. But um, anyway, that match ends in like a schmoz, but it's, it's, that was good. And I was wondering, like, why was that match not on last? And I forgot because it was kind of a schmoz finish there because we get, again, another match to end this show, This a match that I know I, as a fan, have been wanting to see since, like, 99. Right. And that's The Rock versus Booker T. Cause, dream match. Yeah, dream match, man, for sure. And 
all those things, good things we mentioned, those good matches. Not neither one of us said Undertaker and Kane versus we did the Jersey, not. the Jersey duo. But so. here we go, man. <laughs> we get a video package of these guys recapping the past month of DDP adjusting his mission from wanting to become famous to yeah. wanting to make Sarah his own, uh, and. Well, we see the WCW Tag Team Champions, Undertaker and Kane, walking backstage, headed to the ring, the family of destruction, along with Sarah. <laughs> and um, Canyon's going to come out first here. And maybe I want to ask you a question here. So, you talked about DDP, loving DDP's music, WCW, his WCW music. Yes. Back in the day. And that was, of course, a ripoff of Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Shouldn't wouldn't this have been a great opportunity to make Canyon's music a Pearl Jam ripoff and have him come out to some version of Better Man? That would have been great, man. Who better? Who better, better man? Yeah. Than Canyon? Who better man? That would have been wonderful. That should have been his music. <laughs> Who better man than Canyon? That'd have been great, dude. Oh, what a great little throwback that'd have been. That'd been so awesome. What a fit, dude. You know, both the Plus, Jersey Boys with the grunge like music. A, yeah. Plus, I'd have marked out like a champion here for Canyon. So, oh man, absolutely. Oh, that'd have been awesome. And they that, definitely should have done that. They had a who had a Jeremy ripoff, and that was or even flow, even oh, Jericho. Jericho, Jericho yeah. had even flow ripoff. That's why I fell in love with him. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's, oh yeah. Then I enjoyed his work, but it was the first I enjoyed yeah, his music. That was so it. anyway, that was number one. Yeah. Well, speaking of music, Canyon's music starts off with "Who Better Than Canyon." <laughs> that doesn't get any better than that, man. That's perfect. So, well, they do. Uh, the Jersey Boys do not look excited about what's about to go down. Uh, but Paul Heyman is all right behind him, man. He calls DDP and Canyon the greatest tag team champions in WWF <laughs> history, and uh, Jr. just has an absolute conniption about this. Um, yeah, Heyman's been doing it all night for every WCW guy. I just calling him the greatest champion of all time. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> he's he's full on heel mode. It's great. Oh, he's great, and yeah, again, it's just refreshing having them on commentary again, and it makes it makes the angle better because yeah, he can he can be for all the heels and Jr. can be for all the faces. It's just what what a missed opportunity last week at Invasion not to do that. So I don't get it, man. But yep. Kane and Taker come out and get their combined intro, but for some reason Roland's not on this. It's like overdubbed with that Dead Man Walking song. So these music addicts just don't have any rhyme <clears throat> or reason to them on the network. No. But they do walk down with a purpose, and Sarah's holding a chain and a lock with her. So, uh, yeah, she is. So we'll come into play here in just a minute. So DDP might get excited about that. Damn. <laughs> he may. Well, uh, the rules of this match are the worst type of cage match rules because it's pinfall, submission, or escape. Man, I always hate that. Just have it be one or the other. Have it either be pinfall or have it be escape. Uh, that just yep. frustrates me. But see, and let me let me speak on this. All right. <laughs> oh, like, me a little Conan. Okay, so as a kid, I thought that the um, I just thought that that was stupid. I, I thought yeah. the escape. I thought the escape thing was stupid. Mm. Um, I thought the pinfall thing was stupid. I wanted it one or the other. But then, like, as I got older and started to realize what a cage match was supposed to be it was like the blow off like back in memphis and you know the nwa days it was like the blow off and like to keep anybody from getting out and so they were always pinfall matches yeah they weren't escape i think wwf is the one that introduced the escape like i always thought that was stupid and it like 
I don't know. I guess it sometimes can add some drama to it, but once you see somebody climbing and getting pulled off, there's only so many times you can see that to make it, you know, mean anything. So, yeah, I just, but as a child, I hated, I just hated that they were one or the other. I want them to be, it's either pinfall or it's escape. Don't make it both. Like you said, it's just, it's too much, man. Yeah, it is. It's too it's... unclear because they change the rules all the time, too. Like, why would you go for the escape? Why would you try to climb out the cage when you could just pin someone? Because it takes, exactly. it's going to take 20 or 30 three. seconds to climb out of the cage and you can just pin somebody in three seconds. Like, yes. it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, or why would you climb over when there's a door? Well, yeah, that too. You could just walk through. So, <laughs> again, time to take an international flight to go next door. So, yep. Make any sense. Well, uh, it did make kind of make sense that there's a WCW ref in the cage and a WWF yeah. one on the outside, since it's got both titles on the line here. So you got a ref from both companies here, and uh, Taker, it's a Canyon and DDP are pretty much already begging off as the match starts. But uh, Taker and DDP are kind of stalking their prey, just savoring, taking their time as they make their way into the cage. And Taker is going to jump in the ring, slam the door, and Sarah is going to padlock it and slip the key to the chain around the door down into her shirt. And how is that legal? If it's yeah. okay to win by a skate, how is it okay for this guy to have his wife lock the door? To have his manager have the key yeah. to the cage. Exactly. Exactly. That should, that doesn't make, that's a heel move. Uh, there's going to yeah. be a few if more anything. from D, from Taker and Kane. A few more heel moves in this, too. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, the heels immediately scale the chain link fence, and they're brought down <laughs> by the Brothers of Destruction. And when I, mean, I say brought down, I mean brought down. Oh, Kaden yeah. is thrown from the top of the cage to the middle of the ring to start the match. Yes. Where do you go from there? 100 miles how, an hour. How do you go? F- it, that's the biggest bump you could take, in, except for going to the outside. That's well, the biggest bump. How do you go? Where do you go anywhere from there? Nowhere. This match doesn't go anywhere. It has absolutely no flow to it and almost no heat for the most part, too. Man, that's another thing. Tag team cage matches are just always weird, uh, especially if there's escape rules to it. I mean, you could do it if there's just pinfall or submission, but having escape rules, you have this huge logic gap where if you want to win, one guy's going to have to go out and leave his partner in a handicap match, basically. It just says, right. it's, it's, I've almost never seen a good tag team cage match, maybe once or twice ever, because it's hard to overcome that, that logic gap. Yeah, that you're, you're like strapped by the book and you can't, but like, it should be the first team member to get out, that team wins. Like, not both of them. It should yeah. be whoever touches the feet. The floor first, just like a regular cage match is a singles match. Because in a tag team battle be... royal, if one person goes out, then the whole team's eliminated. So do the yes. same thing for a cage match. If one person gets out, that whole team wins. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, why would you even ever walk out unless you're taking your partner with you? Right. So doesn't make any sense. But again, where do you go from that giant bump to start the match off with? And then lots of punching by DDP and Kane is in the corner just owning Canyon man just making him his whipping boy <laughs> like like he's Christian or Edge or something back yep. like a year ago so DDP is getting beat up in the corner by Taker and Taker goozles him and then DDP gets a Death Valley blow to Taker so again it's it's legal here in this cage match so by all means knock yourself out 
It's no DQ. There's not a lot of wrestling going on. Not a lot of moves. Uh, it's a lot of fighting, a lot of punching, a lot of kicking. It's all kind of going in slow motion, too. It's uh, just not the best action you've ever seen. Uh, Canyon, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and one thing that I know we mentioned last week um, about how you know DDP has gone on record saying, you know, like there's no heat between him and Taker and everything like that. And, you know, it just – and they brought in under the wrong circumstances. You know, the angle just kind of dead from the start. Well, another thing, and, you know, take what it, take whatever you want from this, but, you know, some of the rumors that flew around back then and still fly around today about about DDP and is that he liked to script everything. You know, there's uh, documented stories of him, you know, bringing literal pages of a match, like especially with him and Randy Savage. Randy Savage did the same thing, and he learned from Randy a lot, you know, and, because a lot of people say, you know, that Savage Steamboat match was pretty much all scripted. Um, people don't want to hear that, but it was. And uh, DDP would do that too. He would sit there and script everything out. Well, Taker doesn't do that. So I've read some things saying that that's one of the things. You know, people speculate that's why you know Taker kind of put the kibosh on this and said I'm done with him. But you know, DDP's gone on record saying that's not it. But so who knows? I'm sure there's a little bit of truth and a little bit of right, you know, right. fantasy and all that. But DDP is known for scripting crap, and D- Taker's known for calling the ring, pal. <laughs> Let's just go do it. So that definitely would play into them being a clash of styles between them two, you know, which we mentioned last week. They're just kind of clunky in the ring together. Well, Taker's calling just tremendous beatdown in this match. That's all he's calling. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of offense for him and Kane. Right. Tackle, <laughs> t- tackle, drop down, beatdown. <laughs> That's it. Tackle, drop down, beatdown, too. Is that yeah. uh, Canyon gets... Chokeslam by Kane, and JR gets in the line of the night here, man. Uh, as Canyon goes up and comes down, JR says, Must have happened on JR's uh, flight, man. They ran out oh, of peanuts yeah. for him or something. You know, I have <laughs> never had peanuts on a plane. Are you kidding me? They always give me pretzels. They what? never have peanuts on a plane. I guess they don't anymore, but they used to, man. Everybody's I got, got allergies, peanut allergy. Man. Oh, man. As a oh, kid. freaking people with your allergies. I got my little Delta Can't... wings and, and peanuts when I was a kid. Uh, I remember that. Man, I never got peanuts on a plane, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, dude. Nice flight, bad landing, no peanuts. That is just, if you're not if It's you're the worst not kind of flight that, right there. Exactly. It doesn't get any worse than that. So, um, Kane gets a buckle bomb to Canyon. But he doesn't throw him onto like the turnbuckle. He throws him in the corner of the cage. Yeah, just beating the crap out of him, man. And this was an era where Kane. I don't, you guys remember listening at home? Remember when Kane was trying to get over the power bomb as his finisher? Like not the last ride, but he would like do like a almost like a fall away power bomb. He mm-hmm. power bomb, and he'd kind of go to the mat as he did it too. So I remember appreciating Kane changing it up for a little bit, but learning from his big brother here, getting yeah. some new repertoire. So it's Hurricane yeah. Rana. Exactly, but. Yeah, Taker's then repeatedly smashing DDP, excuse me, DDP between the ropes and the cage, just running back and forth and just smashing him. And then he finally finishes off with a giant big boot as DDP's head smashes against the cage. And at this point, Taker has to do something we don't normally see him do. And he's, yeah, go ahead. Well, he motions to the crowd here, and that finally does get them up on their feet here as he, he plays to them and gets them up. That's used to be Paul Bear's job, but I guess I'm going to tell you for herself here. Sarah yeah. should have been doing that, man. She had right. took any lessons from Mr. Bear's opus. 
But she doesn't know because she's not a freaking wrestler. No. Nope. Go home. No. Nope. Nobody wants you here. Ugh. Uh, DDP wants her there, but. Sorry. None of us <laughs> at home. None of us at home wanted you there. Exactly. So. Uh, if you're playing Undertaker Bingo, then you can mark off the square where Undertaker scares the ref uh, and gives him an intimidating mm-hmm, look. Mm-hmm. So we get that spot in there. Um, Kane uh, whips Taker into the ropes, but Canyon hits a flying clothesline out of nowhere onto Taker. They're going for a double team there, but Kane hits yeah. a flying clothesline. And Canyon tries to escape. Uh, Kane catches him. Canyon fights him off. And then Canyon hits a top rope Famouser onto Kane, which was a nice little move there. I remember when he used to do that in WCW. I used to think it was so yeah. cool, man. And I remember Tony Schiavone just being like, oh, what such innovation. So we do that. So, yeah, hit that top rope famous. It was pretty cool. So, um, And then DDP hits a DDT, taken, which even JR calls it that. DDT, or maybe Heyman, I can't remember. DDP with a DDT. So from his pal, his mentor, Jake Roberts. So That's right. And they uh, they finally able to take over here for a little bit the Jersey Boys, but instead instead of going out the door, which they can't do because Sarah has the key, which should not right. be legal, right. they're uh, forced to climb out of the cage. And uh, DDP and Kane make it to the top, but the brothers stop them. And Taker actually stands up on the top of the cage and boots Paige down off the top of it, which was pretty cool little visual there. See yeah. Taker stand up the top of the cage and. Page crotches himself on the top rope on the way down. Yeah, last time we saw Taker on top of a cage, it was uh, Armageddon, wasn't it? Two thousand. Yeah, throwing so, Rikishi off the top of it. Throwing Rikishi into the dust. <laughs> yeah, there's no sawdust here for this match. No, oh man, but um, yeah. So and as DDP's you know knocking uh or getting knocked off by Taker and crotching himself. Cannon is like hanging upside down from the top of the cage, like towards the ring. And uh, Taker instructs Kane to let he's like, you know, let him go, let Kane escape, get, yep. let him get out of here. Why not? And Kane, Kane listens to his big brother. Shouldn't that have been like your psychology from the second exactly. the match began? It's so silly. Yeah. So he does. Canyon leaves, and uh, <laughs> he's not gonna see him again. He's nope. gone. He runs he's away. Gone. He gets out there, and as he's doing that, Taker's still on top of the cage, and he reaches into like this black horse feed bag that's on the, on the, uh, I don't know what else to call it. It's like a bag for eating oats out of, and uh, he reaches in there and pulls a bike, the old biker chain that he had back in May. That's right. On Judgment Day. The Equalizer. So, exactly. Pulls out Denzel and throws him to, uh, to the mat. So. Well, now DDP is going to continue to get his beaten here. Uh, they take turns just clothesline and DDP into the corner. Uh, Taker hits a sidewalk slam for a two count, but Taker, of course, pulls DDP up because he's not done with him. And the, the straps go down for Taker. Uh, and Kane is just chilling on top of the on the top turnbuckle, just sitting and watching yep. his older brother take DDP to school. Reminded me of Steve Austin and Nine Seven Rumble just mm. sitting there looking yeah. at his watch, you know. Oh, one thing when he said when uh, Taker pulls up uh, DDP before the three count, it's like he you know, gets a two count and he pulls him up just to get a little more offense. Paul Heyman's like he starts he's like, oh look at DDP's ability to kick out there. <laughs> it's just so good. It was great. Because Jr. is like, no, Taker pulled him up. It's just such a great heel thing. It was definitely like a Jerry Lawler thing to say, you know. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> So then Taker's like, he tells DDP he's got a choice there. He's like, you can leave and never come back and never lay your eyes on Sarah. 
It gives him gives him an option. It's a little multiple choice test here, I guess. See what see what he chooses. Yeah, it's a rare show of sympathy. It looks like from the Undertaker, he's gonna his DDP is just begging off, and um, says if you ever look at Sarah again, I'll kill you. And a, <laughs> a shocked DDP is like, are you serious, bro? <laughs> and uh, Taker says, don't ever come back. And so DDP starts to climb out of the cage, and the crowd is booing. Kane is confused here, but just kidding. Uh, Taker grabs DDP, pulls him back into the ring, and hits a choke slam on him. And I just thought, what a heel, dude. Yeah. <laughs> what a heel. Exactly. <laughs> Super heel move. You can't get out of the door because your lady locked it up, and you tell the dude to leave, and you pull him back in. Like, it's definitely a heel move, you know, for sure. And then pulling him up at the, at the two count, you know, that's, yeah. those are all heel moves. So, um, this, yeah, he's. But um, you know, DDP is such heat for this creepy stalker stuff that I guess it works. So, right. but um, yeah, as he goes and uh, it's weird because Taker actually looks at Sarah too. And he's like, "This is for you, baby," and as he's about to hit the last ride, and it's just weird to hear him say that. You know, just how far we've come. So we really have here as uh, Taker makes the cover to end this extended, painful, ugly squash match that. I mean, I felt like I was watching Superstars, like I was saying earlier, not SummerSlam, because <laughs> this is just complete and utter domination for the Brothers of Destruction. But they do get their second WWF Tag Team title win right here and become double champions, WCW and WWF Tag Team Champions of the World. Of the world. Yeah, man, so yeah, pinfalls, only about 10 minutes and 15 seconds, so um, and I just wrote my notes here that DDP gets the last ride of relevance, basically, for his career, so <laughs> it's just, it's gone. JR on commentary says, DDP should have brought bolt cutters or wire cutters instead of a diamond cutter. Yeah, yeah. you knew he had to get that in there, yeah, so. good line. Um, then the brothers are celebrating in the ring with their double tag team gold, and Sarah gets in the ring, and she's like in DDP's face and pointing her finger at him, and telling him off and it's just i don't know it's too much man it's done i'm so ready for this to be over with yeah like, i think I'm everyone so involved was disappear yeah i think takers over it and for a shoot i think ddp is over it for a shoot like let's just move on kindly leave let's go so kane does his little pose and pyro makes pyro shoot out of the corners and the bros raise the gold as we Close this chapter. In yes. This, uh, After four hours of going through stalker angle stuff, we, <laughs> well, we don't quite get to close the chapter. We get to do that on next week's episode with one last complete and utter burial DDP. But I would say, whatever you do, folks, do not watch this match. Uh, I would go back and watch Lance Storm versus Edge or the main event with Angle and Austin or. Literally any other match on this show, go watch. But don't watch this one, folks. Yeah, this is the one to skip. So, um, I think this match is third from the top too, which is weird. So, it doesn't even it just is what it is. So we forgot to mention that, but yeah, it's I think it's third from the top. So, uh, <sighs> definitely uh, negative third underneath the bottom for me, even as far as when we start recapping top 10 matches of this era so yeah I, I really hope it doesn't crack my top 10 i hope it doesn't get any worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah well just wait till next week folks oh man uh well we unfortunately we're glad we 
we're able to watch it instead of you guys uh, and suffer through it for you. And we're going to keep suffering for you next week as we get to another infamous, another bizarre match when you look at The Undertaker's career as we keep rolling, rolling, rolling into the last ride and talk about Unforgiven 2001 as Undertaker and Kane defend the WCW Tag Team titles. Not the WWF Tag Team titles. They're going to drop those here soon enough. But they're going to defend those against... Brian Adams and Brian Clark chronic as that. unbelievably the Undertaker's feud with freaking Steven Richards and the RTC <laughs> is going to come back from the dead, Travis. Yes, it is. So that's a little teaser for you guys next week. Crush and Adam Bomb are coming back. So yeah. we covered them on uh, Coliseum Home Videos. And uh, we've covered Crush a lot, actually, and DOA and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, another iteration of, of uh, some BSK brothers coming back and, and helping a brother out. Or not. <laughs> well, I can see you dancing on the table right now to, to talk about Steven Richards yet again. And I know you're going to bust out the white shirt and tie for next week's I'm gonna, episode. I'm going to dye my hair jet black. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what we're talking about here, folks. But we want to hear what you thought about this match, about uh, Undertaker versus Undertaker and Kane, DDP and Canyon, what you thought about this whole feud. And, of course, we'll wrap that all up with one final burial on, on next week's episode. And, uh, <laughs> yes, folks, we're going to talk about Sarah versus DDP as well uh, on next week's show. So tune in for that one. Uh, let us know what you thought about this one on social media at Talking Taker on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, if you go over to the Instagram page, uh, you can look at the the highlights on there. I actually did sort of a live watch along to a couple of those Superstars episodes, made some commentary uh, on Instagram to one of those. So go check that out. It was fun. Might do some of that, some more of that as we go along. But follow us along. We post different stuff on all of those classic stuff. Travis, you posted some rare, uh, 2001 website stuff. From Holy jeez, That, uh, OVW yeah, that, thing we talked about. Somebody's last Angel Fire. Show. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> Angel Fire, like, link that was yeah. still active from they actually went to that OVW Save the Last Dance, not Save the Last Dance, but OVW Last Dance show and had some pictures where they met The Undertaker and they met... Julia Stiles. Giant big show. Oh, yeah. big Julia, show. Julia Childs. No, Julia Stiles. <laughs> Julia Childs. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so much here. But uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty cool, man. Check that out. Check out all of our social media. Alex is killing it on there, and I'm trying to do my due justice. Thank you guys for checking out our my debut on Daily Up That's right. You as, can uh, find that on there. Uh, Rhino's number one fan. So uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for your feedback about that. We're Try not to make another three-hour episode, but it had to be done. It had to be so. done. It had to be done. We appreciate you for listening. Uh, go, of course, check out our friends over on the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast going through Stone Cold's career. They're talking about a lot more fun stuff than we are right now. So uh, <laughs> good luck to those guys, although they'll have to suffer too once they get to this portion yep. of things. Uh, but uh, kudos to those guys. Thanks for everyone who follows us and uh, to the Turk, I mean, Turco, putting his baby in the Talking Taker, Taker Easy shirt, the Royal Rumble. Uh, although, there was no Undertaker sighting at the Royal Rumble. No, we are no, getting no. into WrestleMania season, though, and, you know, the rumor mills flowing. We'll, we'll talk about that as things come along, if Undertaker decides to come out of hibernation for an appearance this year at WrestleMania. We'll, of course, mention that on the show, but until then, we're going we're gonna to stick here in 2001 on next week's show. 
Absolutely. I think a uh, shout out to Dilo Hoop. I believe she was uh, listening to us in line for a indie show this past weekend. So yeah, thanks for doing that and spreading the love, you guys. And uh, if you were there at the Compact Center in San Jose, California, we're sorry. Sitting next... <laughs> yeah, a we're sorry for you had to sit through this. Tell us where the, how the popcorn tastes when you went and got it during this match. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Uh, were the bathrooms nice when you went there during this match? Let us know what happened. Uh, let us know if uh, Taker actually had this stupid song or Roland. Uh, and let us know. We, we do want to know all of you guys who better than Canyon. But we'd like to know what you guys would say. You just send us a list of who you guys think are better than Canyon. So, um, send us a we'll, blank we'll... sheet of paper. <laughs> Nobody. So we'll, I'll uh, tell you we'll, what, though, man. I was shocked. Some, a lot of our followers said they loved the DDP storyline and they loved the invasion stuff. Man, I was very surprised to hear the, that feedback uh, on I last week's shocked. show. So I wonder <laughs> if that extends to this match. Yeah, we'll see. I'm interested to hear. So we'll, we'll, we love you guys' feedback. And uh, all that can be said now is just the famous two words, take her easy. Oh, and now the Intercontinental Champion, Lance Storm, is now with us. Perfect. So you have the Intercontinental Champion, you have the Hardcore Champion, Rob Van Dam, and of course, the creme de la creme, the World Wrestling Federation Champion himself, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Three belt channel match, the last night for one invasion. I was the MVP, one invasion, Stone Cold, I'm a huge fan, big fan. Who is this guy? Chris Cannon. I was the MVP last night, MVP. Last night? What'd you say on the... That, that says, who better than Canyon? I scream it out, and the fans scream back, hey, but look at me. I'll tell you who better than Chris Canyon. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Do you understand that? Absolutely. Now what I'll say, who better than Canyon besides Stone Cold Steve Austin? I'll stop doing 